In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with God. Who is speaking? John the Baptist, who in the 15th year of the reign of the Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, received the word of God and went out to tell the world about it, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, we're told. How powerful was he? He was plenty powerful. John was a prophet, and prophets have been thought to speak for God. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Amos chapter 3, the seventh verse. Prophets see or hear what God is doing, it is said. They fascinate us that way an odd little book by a respected Catholic theologian, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Imagine trying to get through first grade with that name. The book title is A First Glance at Adrienne von Speyer. Dr. Adrienne von Speyer was a physician for whom Father von Balthasar had served as a spiritual director and confessor through the course of many years. Here's how the book begins. This book is an eyewitness account. It is not intended as publicity or propaganda, but rather as a source of objective information. I cannot prevent anyone from questioning the veracity of my statements. There will be people with a personal interest in finding them to be false, for whom nothing can be which ought not to be. There will be many others who will at once attempt to illuminate the entire matter through the methods of depth psychology and so make it supposedly understandable, or who will dismiss it all as completely out of date and therefore neither interesting nor credible. Finally, there will be those who will be very annoyed about a charism, should it prove to be a charism, which does not conform to the conventional trends in Christianity today. To all these persons, I must say in advance that in the sense of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, their opposition does not trouble me. For when I state the facts known to me, I am simply doing what I must do. Well, that's got my attention. What sort of doubtful, annoying, or otherwise objectionable information is von Balthasar preparing his readers to encounter. Here goes. That as a very young child, Adrienne had received religious instruction directly from an angel who showed her what to do and what not to do, how one prays or how one can, in all simplicity, be with God. That at age six, on Christmas Eve, though she was not a Roman Catholic, she had a mysterious encounter with St. Ignatius, 
while walking up a steep street of La Chaux de Fonds. At that moment, St. Ignatius had been dead about 400 years. That on November, the, on a November morning in 1917, Mary appeared to her surrounded by angels and saints. That one night as she was driving home from her office, she suddenly saw a great light in front of the car. The pedestrian on the street also saw the light and jumped aside in fear. And she heard a voice saying, Tu vivras au ciel et sur la terre. You shall live in heaven and on earth. That her medical practice became host to sudden inexplicable cures, which were the talk of the town. That she had been given to know, it had seemed to her, that her gift was strong enough to deliver the impossible. But she had declined this in favor of something even better. One night, when beside the coffin of a child whose death had caused one of her friends infinite sorrow, Adrienne knew precisely that intense prayer could storm the omnipotence of God and bring back this life. But there was a higher possibility that she saw to renounce miraculous power and to submit in silence to the will of God. That by night, as she lay sick in the last weeks of her life, God took Adrienne on spiritual travels. She was transported in prayer to places where her praying presence was needed, into concentration camps, convents, confession booths, where the manner of confessing was false or lukewarm because the confessor or the priest was not paying attention, not taking it seriously enough. That in 1941, an angel came to her bedside at night to prepare her for a Holy Saturday experience of Christ's passion. They were to be repeated and deepened year after year revelations and ever new ways of a variety of theological relationships. These passions were not so much a vision of the historical scenes of the suffering that had taken place in Jerusalem, there were only occasional glimpses of these, as if for clarification. Rather, they were an experience of the interior sufferings of Jesus and all their fullness and diversity. First glance at Adrienne von Speyer. You can read the book. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with God. I couldn't say how God drove John the Baptist out into the wilderness and down into the river, but it isn't hard to see how a prophet might be able to draw a crowd. Wouldn't we go out to see Adrienne von Speyer? Did we have something better to do yesterday afternoon, Christmas shopping? John talked rough. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. That's a sermon that I've never tried to preach, the one that starts out with me calling you a brood of vipers. I would have to be told by an angel or two to do it, and they would have to show me how. And 
Not that I want it. I just don't have the charism, the gift. As the Hogwarts professor said of Miss Hermione Granger, I have no aptitude for divination, so I desperately cling to my books. And I'm fine with that. You can learn a lot from books. Almost anything an angel would tell you, you could dig out of a good library. You shouldn't doubt that you could teach the average angel a thing or two about one thing or another. Had it not occurred to you that angels may find us just as fascinating and amazing as we find them? They were reported to like music. Karl Barth said that when the angels in heaven are on duty worshiping God, they listen to Bach. But on their own time, they ask Mozart to play for them. And then Bart said, the Lord comes in and sits down and he listens with special pleasure. I am not able to guess what the angels would do with Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper. <laughs> o generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Talking about what you can learn from books. I've learned a lot about God from books. I've learned a thing or two about myself from books. And I've learned a surprising thing about sin from books. S-I-N, sin. And what I've learned is that even the very notion of sin is joyful. And to get pretty deep into the stacks to discover that funny little truth, which is the one that helps us see why Adrienne von Speyer found herself transported to confession booths where the confessions and the pardons were lukewarm and done by rote, where both the priest and the penitent were missing an opportunity for joy. That's right, confessions of our sins done right, sincerely, is joyful. Without it, the harmful things we do are bondage. When I lie, when you cheat, when we steal, defraud, lose our temper with our wife or husband, when we let down our parents, our children, or our friends, when we take advantage of our neighbors, when we deprive them of their opportunities, their just desserts, or we take away their joy, or just spoil their good, clean fun, then we are stuck with that forever. Yesterday's gone. Whatever we did is done, but for better or worse, we still bear the result. Jesus bore the marks of his wounds even beyond the grave. And we certainly bear the marks of one another's good or bad behavior all our days. Julie and I have been married for more than 40 years, and we can still get sore about something that happened when we were 17 years old. If she were here right now, she'd be thinking of a particular thing I did. <laughs> Our deeds stay with us, whether we believe in God or not. And we can be good or bad whether we believe in God or not. And we bear responsibility for what we've done, whether we believe in God or not. In a hundred ways, we never do escape our past. But call it sin, and we have opened a window on an entirely other realm of meaning. More demanding, yes, but also more forgiving. In our evolved history as a species, for the longest time, there was no such thing as sin. There was grabbing what you could, keeping what you got away with, maybe sharing some with friends. But there wasn't sin. Before the law, said St. Paul, there was no sin. 
And then came the divine law, which according to the books is the first form of grace. And its final form is mercy. Today, still, apart from faith, there's plenty of give and take, but there's no such thing as sin. Because to believe in sin, we must believe in grace first. It takes grace to know ourselves as sinners. The same grace in which there is forgiveness and healing. Always. Forever. There is only one relationship in which you live in which you'll find no end of opportunities to get it right. No matter, no matter how many times you've gotten it wrong before. And that is the relationship with the one in whose image you are made. Who loves you better than you love yourself with whom every day opens with an invitation to a fresh start, a new beginning in his spirit. For the one who is more powerful than John has come.